0: Welcome to the Jar. My name is Chuck and I am one of the pastors here and I am glad you chose to join us as we are starting a new series today, a two-week series entitled The Great Commandments. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 22 where Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments that we are to follow. So I'm going to give you a little background here to this story. Jesus' teaching... A group of people and the religious elite who don't like Jesus are there. They feel threatened by Jesus and they attempt to test Jesus as He is teaching. See, they're trying to get Him to say something that they can kind of twist around. Trying to get Him to say something that they can use against Him. Because sometimes our choice of words can come back to haunt us. It's like the little boy who was at church with his mother. And in the middle of the service, the little boy turned to her and he said, Mommy, I have to pee. Well, the mother turned to the little boy and she said, it's not appropriate to say the word pee in church. From now on, whenever you have to pee, you just say you have to whisper. So the following Sunday, the little boy went to church with his father. And during the service, the little boy said, Daddy, I have to whisper. So the father leaned down towards him and says, Okay, just whisper in my ear. You see, our choice of words can backfire on us at times. And in Matthew chapter 22, these religious leaders, they're asking questions. They're trying to trick Jesus into saying something they can use against Him, something that will backfire against Him. And three times this happens. Three times with three different groups of people trying to trap Him. And the first group, the Herodians, they they were actually a political party of Jews that were loyal to King Herod. And they ask Jesus if it's okay to pay taxes to Caesar. So this is a tricky question because the Jews are being oppressed by the Romans. They're being unfairly treated. They're being heavily taxed by the Romans whose emperor was Caesar. So if Jesus answers yes... It's okay to pay these taxes, then he would be denounced as disloyal to his people. But if the answer is no, then he would be defying the Roman government. He could be reported to the governor. He could be executed for treason. So a lot is at stake with this answer. But Jesus, He sees through their intentions. He even calls them a bunch of hypocrites. And He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And it says that they were amazed when they heard this and that this group left. So Jesus passed this first test. Well then, the Sadducees, another group, they were a religious group. They attempt to trick Him. And they ask Him about marriage and and resurrection. And Jesus kind of turns everything around on Him and He puts them in their place as well. And Scripture says when the crowds heard this, they were astonished. So now this third test is where I want to pick up this story because this is what leads us to where we're going. And it's in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, another religious group. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, being Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So another test. Another loaded question. You see, when we hear the term commandment, we think of the Ten Commandments. But for the Jews, they actually had 613 commandments that they had to follow. You see, the Jewish rabbis, the religious elite, had determined that there was 248 things you must do and 365 things you must not do to be in good standing with God. So if Jesus picked out one as being greater than the others, they would have accused Him of saying that the others were not that important. If they could get Him to magnify one commandment, then they would consider Him vilifying the rest. So they, this is all just a trick. They're trying to trap Him. And Jesus' answer is what we're going to be looking at for the next two weeks because not only did it change everything, but it continues to change the way that we look at ourselves, the way that we look at others, and most important, the way that we look at God. God. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus just gave us our big idea for the day, and it's this. Religion is not about rules and regulations. It's about love and relationships. Religion is not about rules and regulations. It's about love and relationships. You see, with Jesus' answer, He's saying, you guys have it all wrong. You're trying to trick me, but you're the ones being tricked. Because it's not about what you do. It's not about what you don't do. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, they prided themselves on this meticulous observance of the law. They were weighed down by all these commandments that they could never follow, all these rules that they could never keep. And Jesus let them know they'd lost sight of the most important things, love and relationship. And there, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. We may not have 613 things that we think we have to follow, but there are things that we think we have to follow. So what Jesus was saying to them is the same thing He's saying to us. It's all about love and it's all about relationships. Exodus 34 verse 14 says He is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. Hosea 6 verse 6, God says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know Me. You see, that's the purpose of our lives. To know and love God. God didn't create us to just do stuff. He didn't put us on this earth to just kind of take stuff off of our to-do list. God put each one of us on this planet so we could love Him. To have a relationship with Him. And if we miss that, we miss the very purpose for which we were created. It's God's number one plan and purpose for our lives. Nothing. Nothing is more important than that. And that's why it's the first and greatest commandment. That's what we're going to focus on today. Next week, we're going to talk about our relationship with others, but today, I'm going to talk about the most important relationship that we can have, and that is our relationship with God. So, how can we have this kind of relationship? Where we we love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds. I mean, that sounds like a pretty powerful relationship. That sounds like a special, very special relationship. Well, I'm gonna do a countdown today. I'm gonna to count down three things that not only help you understand what this kind of relationship looks like, but three ways to kind of help you develop and grow this kind of relationship that God desires. I'm going to jump right in. So get to a place where you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind. You must, number three, put God above anything else. Put God above anything else. Mark 10, chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now we often hear that story and we think of that the problem is money. But the problem wasn't that the guy had wealth. There's nothing wrong with working hard and being successful and having nice things. The problem was, was how he viewed his wealth. There was an old couple named Fred and Edna. And they would go to the state fair every year. And every year, Fred would say, Edna, I'd like to ride in that there airplane. And every year, Edna would say, I know, Fred but that airplane ride costs $10, and $10 is $10. Well, one year, Fred and Edna went to the fair, and Fred said, Edna, I'm 81 years old. If I don't ride in that there airplane this year, I may never get another chance. And Edna replied, Fred, that there airplane ride costs $10, and $10 is $10. Well, this time, the pilot overheard him and said, Folks, I'm going to make you a deal. I'll take you both up for a ride. And if you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say one word, I won't even charge you. But if you say one word, $10. So Fred and Edna agree, and up they went. And this pilot starts doing all kinds of twists and turns and rolls and dives, but not a word is heard. So he does his tricks all over again. Still not a word. Well, they land and the pilot turns to Fred and says, By golly, I did everything I could think of to get you to yell out, but you didn't. Fred replied, Well, I was going to say something when Edna fell out, but $10 is $10. Listen, in this story of the rich man, the problem, again, it wasn't that that he was rich and he had all these great things. The problem was that he placed all this wealth above God. Now, it didn't appear that way. Seemed like a great guy. He didn't murder. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal. didn't lie. didn't cheat. He honored his parents. I mean, it appeared that he was doing everything right. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we see that. If we go back to Scripture in verse 21, it says Jesus looked at him. Jesus looked at his heart at that moment. He saw what the man treasured, he saw what the man held dear. You see, unlike our culture, God's not into appearance. God could care less how you look. God could care less how good looking you think you are or how popular you are in school. God's not concerned with what you wear. God's not concerned with your whole outward appearance because that's not who you are. God's concerned with what's inside because that's who you are. That's what you are. See, when you let your love for other things fill up in your heart, whether it's money or possessions or power or pleasure, God's love for you doesn't change. If we go back again to verse 21, Jesus looked at Him and loved Him. God's love for you doesn't change. It's your love for Him that changes. His place in your heart got smaller because of all these things that you're holding on to. Loving God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind means there is nothing that you wouldn't part with if you honestly felt like God was calling you to relinquish it. You place nobody, nothing above God. You are devoted to Him. Number two... Put God before anything else. Put God before anything else. This means that you make God your number one priority. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. A tale of two sisters, both standing in the presence of Jesus, but only one is basking in his glory. Reminds me of a photo I saw once on Facebook. This has something to do with uh, Queen Elizabeth, Prince Harry, something like that. Something big was happening. But if you look at everyone, and then you look at that lady, I mean, who do you think fully took in and appreciated everything that was happening? They're all sharing... In the same moment, but they're all not getting the same thing out of that moment. It's the same thing with Martha and Mary. They're both before Jesus, but Martha, she's distracted by everything. She's worried about making things just right. She's upset because things aren't going quite as she planned. And Mary's just consumed with being in the presence of her Lord and Savior. She's made that her number one priority. Martha was concerned with what was going on, but she missed out on who it was going on with. She didn't make Jesus her number one priority. She made doing things for Jesus her number one priority. And there's a difference. You can't get so caught up in doing for Jesus that you miss out on being with Jesus. Another thing that I want to I point out in this story, if we go back to that scripture, at the beginning it said, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. So I want you to notice that the first thing Mary did, or the first thing Martha did, I'm sorry, was jumped right in and start doing things. And the first thing that Mary did was go to Jesus. Imagine what our lives would be like. Man, imagine how different our lives would be if we went to Jesus before we did anything else. Before we made that huge decision. Before we picked what college to go to, before we made that career change, before we married that person. You see, so many times in life, we regret decisions that we've made, things that turned out terrible for us. And then we're like, oh God! God, how could this happen? How could You let this happen? But we never went to God first before we made those decisions. You go to God and then you make plans. You don't plan and then go to God asking Him to make your plan work. You put God before anything else. Which leads us to number one. I know the anticipation was killing you guys. To love God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, we have to spend time with God. So I ask, are you doing that? I mean, are you honestly doing that? Are you seeking God with all your heart? James 4 verse 8 says, Draw close to God. And God will draw close to you. You see, the more time you spend with God, you begin to start feeling this closeness, this whole drawing near, as the Scripture said. Something changes inside of you. You start looking at things differently. You start seeing things differently. I have a dog named Kia. I call her Sissy. She's my baby. We spend a lot of time together. We hike together. We go in the Jeep together. She even works with me a lot. We go to Chick-fil-A. We pick up lunch. We go to the park. Here's another shot. with. Her. She says with her coat on. Got to make sure Sissy's warm. I got another one here. We are on the way to the Christmas party. Now, I think that my wife, Loretta, may be a tad bit jealous of this relationship with Sissy. She thinks that some of it may be a little overboard. She actually secretly videotaped one of these moments, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it to you real quick. Watch this. Anyway, about six months ago, my wife decided she needed her a dog, so she rescued a Yorkie named Izzy. Now, Izzy was abused, and she hated men, so she wanted absolutely nothing to do with me at first. But I'd try to spend a little bit of time each day with her. And I'd just get down and I'd talk to her and I'd give her treats. Well, she slowly started warming up to me. She finally started running up to me and then she started jumping in my lap and just getting excited to see me. Now she goes hiking, she rides in the Jeep. I've actually lost weight splitting ice cream three ways, so that's been good too. This is how she wakes me up in the morning. You know, there's something about seeing her so excited to be with me and seeing how much she loves me that makes me love her all the more. And that's what my point is. You see, when you spend time with God... And you discover how much God really loves you. It changes you. It just fills you up. And let me tell you, you don't get that kind of gratification. You don't don't develop that kind of relationship from an hour and a half at church a week. You don't. It takes more of a commitment than that. Now for me personally, I have my Quiet time in the mornings. It's how I start my day. I do that during the week. A lot of times on the weekends, I'll go away somewhere. I'll go to like mounds and and uh, and just kind of have kind of getting my God moment. But for the most part, my one-on-one time with God is spent in my recliner, reading the Bible, praying, listening. This shapes my entire day. It shapes the rest of my day when I do this. Now I know some of you can't spend time with God in the mornings. Mornings are your crazy time. You're getting kids ready. You're getting ready for work. Maybe you don't do mornings well. They always say there's two kinds of people. Morning people and those who hate morning people. I'm going to show you another very quick Video, it's dog themed, of course, for today, but I want you to understand fully what I'm talking about here. Morning person, someone who hates, morning person, morning person, someone who hates, morning person. You know, the important thing is not when you have quiet time, it's that you have quiet time. It's that you make that a priority. Whatever time works for you. You've got to make that something that's important to you because you make time for whatever is important to you. Some people make time to look at every single feed on Facebook in a day. Some people make time to get home from work and watch TV for hours on end. Other people have time to check out every single score of all the games for that day. But people don't prioritize and make time to spend with the Creator of the universe. Building that relationship, getting to know God... You know, one of the things that uh, scares me, besides snakes, and besides that coffee you get at VP and it's got the lid and when you drink it, that first drink always splashes up and burns you, that scares me too. But something that would scare me absolutely more than anything is a passage from Matthew chapter 7. And it's actually Jesus preaching towards the end of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to concentrate on a few verses here. Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22, He says, Many will say to Me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? And in Your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Basically, they're saying, but we did things. We kept Your commandments. We did things for You. And then Jesus says in verse 23, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew You. I never knew You. You know, to even think that we could go through life. To think that we could go through life where we made a decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, but then never took the time or thought it was even important enough to build a relationship with Him. To truly get to know and love Him. You know, the reason I did a countdown today and and put spending time with God at number one is because without it, you never get to a place where you put nothing above God or nothing before God. That's where it all starts. It starts with spending time with God. You know, you can never truly know and love God if you aren't spending time with God. Because it's when you spend time with God that you discover man, how important God really is to you and how important that you are to Him and it changes you at that point. And it fills up your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You put on music and you worship and you just kind of, you kind of breathe in His presence and it fills your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. You read this book, the Bible, these pages, they're so full of God's love. And these words that are in here, they just fill up your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. And then you go from, man, I need to spend time with God, to I get to spend time with God. God. And you begin to desire it. You begin to look forward to it. It becomes the best part of your day. And it begins to shape everything you do and everything you view. You are as close to God as you want to be. You put God above anything else. You put God before anything else and you spend time with God. Let's pray. Well, dear God, we we thank You for just reminding us today how important love and how important relationship is. How important it is to You. And how important it needs to be for us as well. And God, just forgive us if we've neglected to make time with You. If we've put other things above You. If we've put other things before You. And God, we want to change that. God, we want to change that from this moment on. And we want to make You our number one priority. God, we desire to to love You with all of our hearts and with all of our souls and with all of our minds. And God, if You're calling anyone right now to start a relationship with You, to make the decision to follow You and to surrender their lives to You, you've got to invite them right now to just share this prayer with me. They can speak it out loud. They can speak it in their hearts. It doesn't matter. We can all speak it together like Pastor Chris likes to do. But if you're ready to be made new and to have your name written in the book of life, repeat after me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask for forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and was raised to bring me new life. I confess Him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to Him from this day forward. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name,